You may or may not recognize the name Sven Kramer. He's from the Netherlands, and he is the most decorated speed skater in the history of the world. Coming into the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea, he had won multiple gold medals and multiple other medals, uh, four gold medals and eight medals overall in all the Olympics he had competed in. However, the most important race in the Netherlands when it comes to speed skating is the 10,000 meters. And while he had won the world championship in the 10,000 meters five times, he had never won a gold medal in the 10,000 meters at the Olympics. And in the 2018 Winter Olympics, being 31 years old and kind of getting past his prime, it was going to be his last shot. He was in the finals, and in the finals, two speed skaters ended up breaking, uh, breaking records in that race, but he wasn't one of them. He ended up finishing in sixth place. In an interview after the race was done, he said, it's probably going to be easier for him to remember his regular defeats in that one Olympic race than it will be for him to remember all of the other victories. Which is easier for you to remember? Your defeats or your victories? You may not be a speed skater. You may not be competing at the Olympics, but if you're watching this video, then chances are you consider yourself to be a child of God. And we're not going toe-to-toe -to -toe every day with athletes from other countries, but we are going toe-to-toe -to -toe every day with, with Satan and all of his temptations, which is what we're going to be talking about this week. Temptation, what it is and, and how to deal with it. Another way to describe temptation is to say that it's, it's a test, in a sense, of our faith. When I think of tests of faith, maybe the most famous example in the Bible is the test of Abraham. When God tested Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his only child, there's a, there's, there's a lot of lead up to the story, which is worth talking about and, and worth going back and reading about some other time. Um, but the long and short of it is Abraham had one son whom he loved and God asked him to sacrifice his only son whom he loved. A couple of years ago, I was talking about that incident in, uh, in a class of young men and women that I was teaching uh, in a Bible class. And I told the story, and after telling the story, I asked them to raise your hand if you think you would have passed that test. It's a room full of about 30 kids, and one hand went up. <laughs> and then he realized he misheard the question. <laughs> and the hand, the hand went right back down again. Um, he didn't think that he would pass that test. Do you think he would have? Or to think about it another way, think about it in the same way that like, we watch the Olympics. But imagine instead of, you know, we're watching our televisions, imagine that God and his angels are up in heaven. And on their televisions, they're watching, they're watching you. How often do you think they look at your life and they say, yes. That's what it's like to win. Yes. That's what it's like to overcome Satan. Yes. That right there is what it's like to overcome temptation. That is it. <laughs> you think that happens a lot with your life? Or just when you consider the whole thing in general? Is it easier for you to remember the victories? Or is it easier to bring to mind the defeats? If that's the case, if it's easier for you to remember the defeats, then... Don't worry. 
Because this is why Jesus came. He came to put on the same human skin that you and I live in. And this week we will look at him going toe-to-toe with the same Satan that you and I go toe-to-toe with every single day. And to help you appreciate the significance of what he did, I want to ask you three questions. And I want you to think about how you would answer every one of them. Are you ready? Question number one. Think of a temptation that you are likely to be tempted to do. A temptation that you would be likely, that you think you would be likely to fall into. Okay. Question number two. Think of a sin or a temptation that you think you would never be likely to fall into. Something you just cannot see yourself doing. The answers for those two questions will probably be very different across the board, depending on who it is. Question number three. Think of a temptation that Jesus would never be tempted to do. We know the answer to that one. The answer is, there are none. There are none. That's what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, where it's talking about Jesus. And we say, it says, we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Every temptation that the human race has experienced also assaulted him. Of course, with one difference, goes on to say, not only was he tempted in every way, just as we are, it says, yet, He did not sin. And why is all of that significant? It's significant because it means that you have a friend as you go through temptation. He is the savior of every person who has ever been tempted with any kind of temptation. He knows how you feel. He knows how hard it is. And because he did not sin, he wants you to know that he will never fail to do everything necessary so that you can win. In Death Valley, there's a place known as Dante's View that you can stand in. And as you're standing in that spot, you can look down and you can see the lowest place in the United States. It's a spot about 200 feet below sea level known as Bad Water. But standing in that same place, in Dante's view, you can also look up in the other direction and you can see the highest elevation in the United States, Mount Whitney, which is about 14,500 feet above sea level. And so one direction, if you were to go from that spot, one direction takes you to the lowest lows, to the deepest depths, and one direction, if you were to go in that direction, it takes you to the highest heights which I think is a good illustration of what temptation does. It can either take you to the highest heights or it can take you to the deepest depths. And if you're looking for, like, how do you identify when you have crossed the line of temptation? Like, how do you identify when appreciation of beauty turns into lust? Or when righteous anger turns into ungodly hate? Like, when have you crossed the line 
I think it's valuable simply just to look at, well, what direction do I know I'm going? And in particular, am I going closer to God? Is there a passage in the Bible that gives me guidance as to how I can get closer to God or how I can more closely walk on the path that leads to him? And just ask yourself in terms of what direction do I believe I'm going? But just like with going up and down a mountain, one of those is easier to do. And I bet you know which one. It's easier to trip and stumble and fall down the mountain than it is to keep walking and climbing and climbing and climbing and going up the mountain. That's true of temptation. And as we look at Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, we see why. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, he was tempted for 40 days by Satan himself. And it's recorded in three places in the Bible, in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke. And today I'm going to read through the shortest of those accounts, the account of Mark. But it gives us some great insight as to why temptation is so hard and so challenging. So it says this in Mark chapter 1. It says, At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. And so that's it. Just two verses. But some very significant words or phrases in those verses, um, including the first two, at once. That at once, it takes place right after Jesus' baptism. And a baptism is a very significant moment in a person's faith relationship with God, of course. And that illustrates something that's that's important to keep in mind that if Satan sees you with any kind of faith relationship with God, he's not going to wait to attack you. He will attack you at once, just like he did with Jesus. Next, it says that he was being tempted. And the verb tense there, being tempted, it's, uh, it implies an ongoing thing. You know, we're told of three specific temptations that the devil threw in Jesus' direction as he was with him for 40 days. But there may have been more, and that verb kind of implies that there was more, that it was an ongoing reality for him, just as, just as it is for us. Satan never takes a break. He never takes a nap. He's always aware of where we are, and he's always looking to get us to stumble. Uh, the word Satan is very important because the word Satan is really a title. It's a title that means something. It means enemy. That Satan is not your friend. The one who's sending temptations your way, he is your enemy, and he wants you to fall. He wants you to stumble. He wants you to lose your faith. There's a very small word in these verses that's also very important, and that's the word by. B-Y. And that is a word of very close proximity. Is that Satan wasn't keeping his distance from Jesus. He was breathing down his neck. Just as he is with you. He is in close proximity. He's never far away. And we need to take him seriously. It says that Jesus was with the wild animals, which is kind of interesting, but don't, uh, don't picture Jesus just sitting down with, uh, with the lions and the tigers and, and petting them and, and having a good time with them. These are, the, these are the wild, uncontrollable animals out in the desert. And so Jesus was constantly on edge, looking over his shoulder, wondering what threat was going to come next. And that's also a very good picture of what happens with temptation. And finally, it says that Jesus was attended by the angels. And that Jesus, even though he didn't give in to any of the temptations, he was still tired and he still needed strength and he still needed encouragement. And so all of those things together just paint a very, a very vivid picture of how seriously we need to take temptation and how present we should expect it to be in 
every area of our lives all the times, but it also gives us some insight into how you can immediately escape it. Do you know how you can immediately stop Satan from attacking your faith? Don't care about your faith. Don't care about it. Don't worship God. Don't honor Jesus. Don't pray to him. Don't carve out any time for him. Just stop caring about your faith and Satan will leave you alone. But of course, you do care about your faith. That's why you're watching this. And because you care about your faith, there's something very important that you need to be reminded of when it comes to temptation. Your victory does not depend on the strength of your faith. Your victory does not depend on the strength of your faith. Your victory depends entirely on the strength of the Savior you have faith in. There's a really awesome passage from the book of Revelation that gives us some good insight into that. It's in Revelation 17. And in that section, it's talking about, leading up to that, it's talking about many different enemies that attack God's family and that want to rip his children away from him. And then it says this. It says, they will make war against the lamb, but the lamb will overcome them because he is the Lord of lords and king of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. And that verse, it makes me think of what happened on Easter morning before anybody on earth saw Jesus alive. The Bible tells us that Jesus descended into hell, and that wasn't his punishment. He wasn't going down to suffer hell. He suffered hell as he was on the cross. He went down to hell to knock on Satan's door to show Satan that he lost. He lost. Jesus won, and Satan lost. He did his worst work against God, and God won. And the look on Satan's face, and the feeling in his gut, is the one that sends him after you. Because he wants you to feel that too. But he won't. He won't. Because standing in front of him that day is the same Savior in whom you put your faith. The one who is Lord of every Lord. The one who is King of every King. The one who has already been proven to be more powerful than anything. And the one who brings someone along with him. Did you notice that? With him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. With him will be you, called and chosen by God's grace to be one of God's own children. Keep your eyes focused on him, on that Savior, and you will always find the strength to keep going against temptation. So the Bible records three specific temptations that Satan gave to Jesus when he was in the wilderness fasting for 40 days. 
uh, the temptation to turn a rock into bread, the temptation to uh, jump from the temple trusting that God will catch him, and the temptation to bow down to Satan for, um, for the reward of getting all the, all the kingdoms in the world. If you were Satan, when would you have thrown the turn the rock into bread temptation at Jesus? Near the beginning of the 40 days or near the end? Probably near the end, right? Because if you're fasting for 40 days, you're probably going to be hungry. And of course, there's nothing wrong with being hungry. God designed our bodies to get hungry, to let us know when we, when we need food. There's nothing wrong with being hungry. Just as the other temptations, they appeal to needs that aren't ungodly. You know, when, um, when he said, you can have all the kingdoms of the world, he was, he was appealing to our need to feel loved and approved of and accepted. And those are all from God. God is love. And God loves us. And in Christ, he gives us his, his full approval. Those are good, godly things. The, uh, the temptation to test God by throwing yourself off the temple and trust that his angels are going to catch you, that was appealing to our need to feel safe. And it's not wrong to want to feel safe or protected. That's, that's a godly thing. What makes Satan's temptations tricky is that that's what he often deals with. He takes things that are very good and very godly, our need for love, our need for food, our need for, um, our need for safety and protection, and he uses them to twist us, to turn us in a direction that God doesn't want to be going. And in doing that, his temptations have a way of doing something else. They reveal something about us. You know, they reveal what it is that we love the most. And that is why Jesus answered the way he did with the temptations. There was one thing in common that Jesus did with every temptation. You know, Jesus did not want to be known as somebody who loved bread and who loved security and who loved approval and who loved protection more than he loved every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. He wanted to be known as somebody who loves God more than anything. And he showed that by hanging on to every one of his words which is something that both he and his disciples did very well during their ministry. Do you know how many times Jesus quoted the Bible during just his three years of public ministry on earth? 78. 78. And do you know how many times his disciples quoted some other part of the Bible during their, during their ministry as it's recorded in Scripture? 209. <laughs> 209. They were, um, they were putting into practice what we're told to do in, in 2 Timothy, where it says that all scripture should be used for teaching and rebuking and training in righteousness. Or in the book of Colossians, where it says to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly so that we can use it to teach and admonish. And Jesus and his disciples, they did that and they did that well. They used God's word they spent time in his word, they memorized it, and they put it into practice over and over again and again. They used the Bible to dictate not only what they should be doing and believing, but also how they should be feeling. And think about that in your own life. Think about the last time you felt afraid or worried or pessimistic about anything. Which passage in the Bible gave you the right to feel that way? 
which word of the Lord said that that was okay. There are none. There are none. And when we do those things anyway, it it reveals what it is that our hearts love more than anything. We often love comfort and we often love approval and we often love the feeling of being loved by someone. We often love the bread and the things that are available in this world more than we love the God who gives us all those things. And then it reveals something else about us when that's the case. It reveals that we have no idea how hard it was to be Jesus during those 40 days. And we've never even gone, I mean, 40 days of just being assaulted by by Satan moment after moment again and again. And we've never hung on a cross where all of our earthly satisfaction was, was suddenly taken away. And we've never opened up the pages of scripture and read about the, uh, the, the serpent's head being crushed by the seed of the woman or reading about the lamb who would be slain for sins that did not belong to him and knew that that would mean one day the end of all of my earthly satisfaction just so God could end up with the one thing that means more to his heart than anything. And that's you. That's you. That's what God wanted to end up with, you, your forgiveness, your salvation, your ability to walk through life, knowing that one day your heart and soul and everything that you are will be satisfied in all the most perfect ways. And the only person, kind of person, who could give that to us is somebody who really didn't care all that much about his own satisfaction as much he did as he did care about the word of the God who wants you by him. And Jesus did. Which is why the Bible says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. That's why Jesus said, I know my sheep, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. How do those words from the mouth of the Lord make you feel? Probably pretty good. And that's the strength that we find from the word. That's the truth that we base our lives on, along with this one. In this world, Jesus said, you will have much trouble. But take heart, he said. For I have overcome the world. And by faith in him, so have you. And that is a truth about which there is nothing Satan can do. My boys sometimes play a video game called Minecraft. Some of you might be familiar with it. It's, it's basically like Legos on a television screen. And you can arrange the Legos and build different fancy things and and whatever you want, it's, uh, it's, it's very fascinating. And one day, one of my sons was building something on Minecraft and he said, hey dad, can you come here? And I said, sure. And he said, I built a castle um, on Minecraft and I want to see if you can make your way through it. So he was, he was holding the controller and he just, 
I was supposed to give him directions on where to go through all the different passages and tunnels that he had built within this castle. And at one point, I was walking through, and I got to, um, I got to a dead end. I either had to go left or right from, uh, from the wall that I'd run into. And he asked me, which way do you want to go? And I said, well, I'll go left. And so he took me left, and within just a couple of steps, I fell into a blazing fire. <laughs> and he started laughing. <laughs> and I'd fallen into the blazing fire. And then he said, do you want to do it again? And I said, okay, fine. And so we, we did it again and made my way through the castle with him controlling. We got to the same, the same place where I had to decide to go left or right. And he said, which way do you want to go? And I said, well, last time I went left, so well, this time I'll go right. And so I went right. And within a couple of steps, I had fallen off a cliff and it was a bottomless pit <laughs> that he had designed. And he started laughing again. He was laughing because there was no way that I could win. Like that was, that was the end of what he had created. I was either going to fall into the burning fire or I was going to fall forever in the bottomless pit. And, uh, and it just made him laugh. And I think that's how temptation sometimes makes us feel. Not like laughing. But that we just can't win. That I just can't win. No matter which way I go, no matter how hard I try, no matter how many times I try, there. There might be certain temptations that you feel like you just, you just can't win. And if that's the case, I want, I want to point something out to you about Jesus and his temptation. Remember that as, as we read about Jesus' temptation in the Gospel of Mark, it says that angels attended him. That Jesus, even Jesus, needed strengthening. Even Jesus needed encouragement. Even Jesus needed a friend to be with him. And it's important to note that Jesus needed all of these things. He needed a friend to bring encouragement after he had defeated Satan. He needed encouragement when he had been victorious. And if Jesus needed encouragement, even when he was victorious, how much more is it important for us to find encouragement after we've been defeated again. You know, as we live our lives for God and as we live our lives in faith and as we help one another do the same thing, it is important for us to recognize our weakness and it's important for us to, to recognize and to hold on to that significance that we are weak and we are broken. But it's even more important to give one another and to give ourselves a friend who can give us really, really good encouragement. A friend that can help us remember what true strength really is. The kind of strength that can really only be revealed when you see the worst work of Satan. And there are many examples. I'm going to give you one from February of 2018 when a school shooting was happening. A young man walked into a school and killed 17 people. But it would have been a lot more if somebody who worked at the school named Aaron Feiss hadn't been there. At one point, he stood between the shooter and other students and used his body as a shield to protect these vulnerable students. And he saved them. He saved them with the strength of self-sacrificing love. And all those students needed to be was vulnerable in order to end up walking away that day.
And that same self-giving love is something that we see in the life of Jesus. Let's fast forward three years towards the end of his public ministry on earth. He saw his disciples betray him. He saw his disciples deny him. He saw as he was getting closer to the cross that all of them were just running away from him. He knows how often his disciples fail in their faith. He knows how easily we give in to Satan and all of his temptations. And yet he chose to respond to that weakness not by pushing us away or even by pushing himself away to get to a safe place. But instead, he used his own perfect life to shield our vulnerable souls so that we could be protected from all of Satan's accusations. He did that so that Adam and Eve and every other person just like us who will never live up to the most godly expectations that we have of ourselves wouldn't have to suffer a hell that Adam and Eve and you and me will, will now never experience because Jesus gave us a victory that you didn't need to win in order to hold on to it for eternity. He simply gave it to you. And it's already yours. It's something the Apostle Paul discovered. In the book of Romans, in chapter 7, he, he talks about how he's so frustrated with himself, how it's so easy for him to see his defeats, how the good he wants to do, he can't do it, and the bad things he knows he should never do. Those are the things that he keeps on doing. And then in verse 24, he just comes to the conclusion, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And then he answers his own question. It's the same one who's already rescued you. Thanks be to God, he says, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus, though you are weak, has already made you victorious. Earlier this week, I referred to a man named Sven Kramer, a speed skater from the Netherlands who never end up, ended up winning the gold medal that he was looking for for his whole career. And I told you about how he was competing at the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea. If you would watch those Olympics, then you would know And any athlete who won a medal was not only given a medal, they were also given something else. A stuffed animal. Yeah, and not just any stuffed animal. It was a, a tiger, a white tiger known as a suarang. Suarang is a Korean word for protection. And so it was a protection tiger, a tiger that is supposed to remind them that they are, that they are protected. But unless you won, <laughs> you didn't get one. We've been talking about temptation this week. And as you go through the reality day-to-day -day of being tempted, tempted by Satan, you might wish that you had a suarang, <laughs> a protection tiger that you could carry with you as a reminder that God himself protects you, but you actually don't need one. And we look once again to Jesus' temptation to remind us that God has actually given you something that's even better. Do you remember what Jesus' temptation happened immediately after? It was right after he was baptized. Jesus went into the water. John baptized him. The dove comes down. And the Father shouts from heaven. He says, This is my Son whom I love. And with him I am well pleased. Good for Jesus.
good for you too. Because baptism is a gift that God has given us, which God says the same thing about you. It says as much in the book of Galatians, where it says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. It reminds us of the reality of having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It is as if you are wearing Christ so that when God looks at you, he sees his son. He sees his daughter. He sees perfection. Perfection. That's the reality of who you will always be to God in Christ. Perfection. And because he sees perfection, that guarantees you have God's protection. That victory which Jesus has already won for you will protect you and it will give you strength as you continue to do battle with Satan all of his temptations. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here with Time of Grace. Thank you so much for checking out our podcast and we'd love for this podcast to be a blessing to you in the days to come. So if you could share this podcast, subscribe so that every episode ends up in your feed or just leave us a review, we would love more and more people to hear this message so that their lives can be surrounded and blessed by the grace of God. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.